Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is Amy Johnston, who is the Senior Project Officer at the Queensland Association of School Tuck Shops. And she's a public health nutritionist. And working with schools is such an incredible way to touch the lives of so many different people. And I'm really intrigued in hearing all about what her role and her previous roles have involved and learning more about the public health side of nutrition. So thank you so much for joining me today, Amy. It's a pleasure to have you here. That's okay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So let's chat a little bit about how you first got interested in the nutrition and the health space. I kind of got into it by accident, to be honest. Um, So I always thought I would do some sort of allied health. um, And I was really set on physio for a while. Um, And then I kind of, I found out you had to do lots of work with um, cadavers and that really turned me off. Um, So I started, I started looking at what else was in allied health. um, And yeah, something just made me pick nutrition. But I look back now and I realise it was, you know, I was probably always going to go in that direction. Yep. Um, you know, I uh, spent a lot of time at my grandparents when I was young and they had a um, massive veggie patch and they were on a dairy farm. So that, you know, involvement with food was kind of ingrained in me from a young age with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously tied in with that as well, um, wanting to be in that kind of allied health space. So ended up working out. Yeah, incredible. And so where did you study? You're from up in Queensland. Did you go to one of the unis up there? Um, I actually grew up in Sydney. So um, I went to Sydney University. And um, uh, back when I did it, it was still a bachelor's degree. So it was a um, Bachelor of Science with a major in nutrition, um, which was uh, which is accredited by the Dietitians Association. Um, Now it's a um, master's degree. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know what you wanted to do with your degree? While I was studying, I didn't really. It was just in that final year that we did placements and so had the opportunity to see um, all different areas. So, you know, food industry, uh, not food industry, food uh, service, um, community and public health nutrition and the clinical environment as well. Yeah. So I learned pretty quickly. I I wasn't a big fan of the the clinical. Yeah. Um, Didn't want to work in a hospital. Um, and I was really lucky in my community and public health nutrition placement. I was placed with Cancer Council in New South Wales oh, wow. um, in their nutrition team. And that was a really fantastic experience. So um, yeah. I worked on a project around um, food marketing to children. Yeah. Something that I had never considered before um, as a probably 21 year old at the time yeah. and without kids and siblings. Oh, I had a sibling, but not a young sibling. Um, so yeah, that just kind of opened my eyes to what was available um, Mm -hmm. and kind of went from there. Yeah, brilliant. And when you did graduate, where did you go from there? What was your sort of first role out of uni? Um, So it took me a long time to get my first role, um, almost 12 months. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was doing other part-time work and things like that to keep myself afloat. Um, And while I was that whole time, I was uh, actually volunteering with Cancer Council on that food marketing project ongoing because I really enjoyed the experience I had as a student. 
Amazing. Um, and eventually that uh, led into a separate area of Cancer Council, but a, a position with them um, expanding their Eat It to Beat It program, oh, um, which is a fruit and veg program for schools. Yeah. Um, so I ended up moving to um, the lovely Byron Bay region and um, expanded their program up there. So that was a really great experience to have as a, as a new graduate. Definitely. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. What did that involve? Um, so they had piloted Eat It to Beat It in the Hunter region around Newcastle mm-hmm. and um, found that it was a successful program after being evaluated. So um, I was involved in expanding it up to the northern region of New South Wales. Yeah. So um, our office was based in Byron Bay, but we covered a, a whole a massive area of New South Wales. So yeah. picking some target regions and then approaching schools to take part in the program. Yeah. Um, so it was, a, it was aimed at parents, so mm-hmm. educating parents around how to increase fruit and vegetables um, in their kids' diets. So doing um, some sessions at kindergarten orientations about how to pack a healthy lunchbox yep. um, and also doing sessions um, with parents, uh, longer sessions with parents about how to um, incorporate more fruit and vegetables, the benefits of them, budgeting, that sort of stuff. Yeah, brilliant. Um, that was a really heavily volunteer-driven program. So um, I had, I think it was about 40 volunteers across that region. So um, training them and managing them as well as doing some of the delivery myself. Yeah. What an incredible um, so, role. Yeah, it was an amazing job to have first out of uni. Um, and I had, we had a really good team as well. So um, like myself, there were other people starting to roll out the program in different parts of New South Wales. So we had a really good, um, I guess, networking and peer learning happening where we'd all chat about what was working in our regions and what wasn't and what we had to make a bit unique to our area based on the population and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. And is volunteering something you would recommend with your experience of that opportunity leading into a paying role? Um, Yeah, with such a absolutely yeah I mean obviously it doesn't always lead into a paid role but even still it just gives you the opportunity to be exposed to um an area of working that you may not have had the opportunity to to see before and decide whether it's something that you want to do and at the same time expand your skills and network and and experience as well so um I still volunteer myself in a um different capacity um because I think there's just so much to be learned from from doing that and giving back to different people in um, our community. Yeah, absolutely. Where are you volunteering these days? Um, so I volunteer in a, a program in Brisbane with St Vincent de Paul, yep. um, which is called Vortex, mm-hmm. um, called Volunteer Refugee Tutoring and Community Support. Oh, wow. So a little bit of a mouthful. Yep. Um, so for people who've recently arrived in Australia, um, we get buddied up with a family and um, just help them out with settling into Australia, essentially. So um, it involves a whole bunch of different things. Um, and really just around what the family needs to become self-sufficient. That's the aim of the program. So you might work with a family for a, a year or two. Yep. Um, and um, just last year, I also joined their committee. So I've been helping to train up new volunteers as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be yeah. so rewarding. It is. It's, it's really fantastic to see the improvement, not only... Um, for myself, I guess, working with one family to see how much they've improved, but seeing what the whole program is achieving as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool stuff. Awesome. So you were working with the Cancer Council. You moved up to Byron and you were doing that up there. Um, what was next? Um, I guess I just started getting itchy feet a little bit. And um, so I ended up applying for uh, this position with Quast. Yeah. So um, similar working in schools around nutrition, but just a little bit of a different focus. So um, again, really grateful that I was able to be successful in the interview process and um, moved, made a little bit of a a little bit further north and move up to Brisbane um, about five and a half years ago now. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. so I've, I've been here for a while. Yeah. Um, and did you start in your current position as the senior project officer or did you sort of work your way into it? Um, I started in this role. Um, it has, as an organisation, we've changed a bit um, and my role's changed a bit over the years, but um, still the same job title. Yeah. Even if the responsibilities have changed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But we're a, sorry. Sorry, you go. (laughs) (laughs) We're a very small organization. So um, I guess as much as I have a job title, there's lots of different bits and pieces that go into that. So um, it's hard to get a a title that reflects everything that's going on within here. But um, yeah, that's my official job title. Yeah. Awesome. And tell us a little bit more about what your job does involve. And if you want, we can go through the evolution of the way it's changed. Um, As you mentioned, the company is growing and changing. Um, So what are some Mm -hmm. of the things that you've done over your time working there? Um, So initially I was employed to work on a specific project, um, working with schools one-on-one. So we had some funding at the time um, to help those schools to improve um, their menus and meet the mandatory smart choices strategy in Queensland. Um, And um, once that project wrapped up, I was able to be still kept on as a staff member to help with um, other work that was happening within the organisation. And I guess, yeah, just over time, we've changed uh, just in response to the needs of schools in Queensland and tuck shops. So um, just, yeah, evolving to make sure that we're still relevant to what people need. We're a membership-based organisation, so ultimately we have to make sure that what we're doing is relevant to our members. Yeah. Um, So we've taken a little bit more of a focus in the last couple of years on making sure school tuck shops are viable. Mm -hmm. So there can be this criticism, not just in schools, but in society that healthy food is expensive. And um, if you want to eat a healthy diet, you've got to be rich. <laughs> so uh, translating that in the school environment and working with schools to show actually, if you have a healthy tuck shop menu, that's going to make you more likely to make a profit. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of expanded our um, our services to include that level of financial advice and and looking through people's um, profit and loss statements and doing some key benchmarks and things like that to make sure that it's achievable for them to sell healthy food and make money at the same time. Yeah, amazing. And so how do you go convincing schools to start offering more healthy options in the canteen? I suppose that's one of your approaches, looking at the finances and how it can benefit them in that sense. But are there any other sort of tactics or um, things that need to be taken into consideration? Um, I think just working with the school, so seeing, um, talking to them about what their goals are and what their challenges are, yep. we have to be uh, really sensitive to the fact that schools come in all different shapes and sizes and um, their tuck shops that are the same. So um, some have really fantastic facilities, others um, are struggling a little bit with that. So 
um, making sure that any suggestions we give are really realistic about what is achievable for them. Yeah. Um, and also making sure that their school community is on board with the changes as well. Yeah. Um, because we, they're ultimately the customers of the tuck shops. So they need to be involved in the process. Um, so depending on the school, it could involve lots of marketing, mm-hmm. um, making sure that we are using lots of positive language and we've got posters up and maybe the kids are involved in renaming the tuck shop. Um, and so they, you know, they have that bit of excitement about their names being chosen and that's now the new name of the tuck shop. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, it just really depends on on what's happening within that school community. Yeah, and this might be another question that depends on the school. But has it is it hard to get them on board with introducing healthy options? Have there been any that are really like not receptive to it, or as the interest in healthy food is growing, has it become easier to sort of get more healthy options in there? There's still definitely you know schools that it's challenging for different yep. reasons. Um, and then there's other schools where it, as long as you, you know, if you get the right person or you, um, have the right resources to support them, then, um, they kind of take it on. Like you, you seem to give them just a little bit of support and then suddenly they're just off and away and they've really embraced things. Yeah. Um, whereas other schools take a bit more support to get going. Yeah. Um, can you repeat the question? I forgot what I was going to say. Um, yeah, so how we found sort of getting the more healthy options in the canteens, which I suppose that quite that covers it, what you've said, um, that okay. it depends on the school and who you speak to. Um, because, yeah, I suppose some schools, as you mentioned, that will be receptive and be like, yeah, okay, more healthy options. Other ones might not be so open to it. But I guess that is where yeah. some of that marketing comes in as well and really showing them the benefits of it and selling the idea mm. to them. Um, yeah. yeah, and as a result, helping the kids in that school. I think there's a um, there's a misconception as well of what healthy food is. Yeah. So you know when we say that we want to try and make the tuck shop menu healthier, people suddenly just have this picture that we're only going to sell salads and carrot sticks. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> giving them that inspiration and saying, well, hey, what? Let's have this, you know, nice curry or a, a noodle dish or um, you know this custard and fruit mix. Um, rather than just, yeah, sometimes they think healthy food's really boring. So yeah. <laughs> um, having that recipe inspiration as well to, to show, yes, it's healthy, but it's actually also really tasty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, covering that gap as well. Yeah, there's also that, yeah, education side of it in that sense. Yeah, I think um, you know, schools can get really creative and do little taste testings and things like that too and um, take the school community along on that journey with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that would be really helpful for them. Awesome. So what would you say some of like your day-to-day tasks are? It sounds like lots of relationship building um, and going out and speaking to the schools. Um, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about, yeah, what that looks like. Um, yeah, typical day. I don't know if there is a typical day here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we're a very, very small organisation. So um, we have just over two FTE um, and I'm one of those FTE. Yep. So um you kind of just have to be across anything that that goes on in a business. So, you know, we don't have a marketing team. We don't have a comms team. Um, We're it. So um, you end up doing lots and lots of different things, which I do really enjoy, and it really helps to build up your different skills. Um, So, yeah, I could uh, one day I could be out visiting a school, um, observing what's going on, giving some recommendations about how they could improve. it might be marketing, you know, upcoming training events that we have or, or networks, um, mm-hmm. developing content for our Facebook page. 
Um, it could be actually today reviewing our website. So we're working on a new website to be released. And so we're looking at all these really complicated technical things about how a website's going to look and checking that it's we're happy with it. So um, that's been new. Yeah. Um, so, yes, lots and lots of different things. Yeah. How have you found, like, learning all the different skills involved? Because obviously being such a small organisation and being across everything, has it been really great for all of that experience in the different areas? I think so. Like, I think um, I would probably be bored if I was just doing the same thing day in and day out. So, um, and it has been a gradual thing. I haven't all of a sudden had to learn all of that. So, yeah. Um, there are other people in our team here and um, we have a very experienced team, which is great. So um, even though I've been here five and a half years, I'm still the new kid on the block. Um, So just gradually taking on bits and pieces that other people in the organisation have maybe previously had um, responsibility for and just building up my skills over time. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I've I've really enjoyed taking on training, for example, um, having the ability to get my cert for and deliver training to groups and do the assessments and things. I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, in the last couple of years, taking on more of doing the marketing. So playing around on Canva and learning how to design pretty things, even though I'm definitely not a graphic designer, but if there's tools and things that can help, um, that's for a small organization like us, those sort of tools are really invaluable. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And what would you say are some of like the key skills that are involved with your current role and um, job position? Um, definitely communication. So, yeah. and, and being really adaptable in that. So um, when you're talking to government in a report about your services and, and evaluating them versus, um, you know, talking one-on-one with a school and encouraging them to make some changes to the menu and, yeah. um, there's lots of different audiences that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to have really good communication um, and, and in general, just a willingness to learn those different skills that I talked about. Yeah. Um, being really adaptable in that way. Um, what other skills would be useful? I don't know. There's probably lots of other ones. I just can't think of them. <laughs> Yeah, they sound like some really important ones, though. And when it does come to communications, what are some things that have helped you build your communication skills and help you um, develop relationships with different kinds of people? Probably just experience, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Seems to be the best feature, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I think back when I was um, back when I was at uni, I found like particularly when doing the like clinical placement, building that rapport with a patient in, you know, two minutes, I just found that so challenging. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess over the last 10 years, having the opportunity to practice that skill yeah. um, and being prepared, I guess, as much as possible. So for me, having an understanding before I go to a meeting of what it's about, who the people are in the room and having a bit of reflection, I guess, on my own about what opportunities there might be to um, build relationships and where we could work together. Yeah, doing that, doing all that prep work. Yeah, (laughs) it's so invaluable. Like when you go in there feeling prepared and really understanding the situation and the people, it it makes such Mm. a difference. So that's a really good point. Yeah, just gives you more confidence that, um, you know, and I think it also makes you more effective because you know what you're meeting about and you can um, get some real good, you know, outcomes from the meeting rather than it being, I guess, Ah. yeah. 
Yeah. And also with like the relationship building, it can really help, especially when you are meeting new people, like just say you're going into a new school and you're doing your background research and things, it shows that you care and they're going to pick up on that and be like, oh, okay, she's not just coming here and trying to sell, not knowing anything about us. Um, Mm. Yeah. It's sort of, yeah, really good for building the relationship and the rapport. Yeah. And I guess just asking questions, being really open to that um, situation, their perspective, um, what they want out of the experience, why have, why have they asked us to go and visit the school? Yeah. Because um, obviously there's you've got to understand what their motivation is um, cool. for being involved. Yeah. Um, it is really tricky sometimes when we uh, someone asks us to come visit a school but say the tuck shop convener is, is not as on board with that, so then you've got to do obviously a bit more work in terms of getting them um, to be interested. But um, yeah. I, I think, yeah, just a skill that comes with practice. Yeah, absolutely. And having that um, empathy is really helpful as well. Yeah, yeah, that's an important one. That was definitely one um, they like drilled home in our degree as well. It's an important skill for anyone in the health profession, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, brilliant. And what would your advice be if someone wants to go down a similar career pathway and work with schools um, and more in that public health nutrition space? Um, I think volunteering is a really good way of, of, um, understanding what jobs are available. Yeah. Um, use any experience that you get to its full advantage. So um, if you do go on a placement, you know, ask lots of questions, um, really work hard during that, during that time to um, learn from your supervisors, build relationships with them or any other people that you have the opportunity to connect with. Yeah. Um, and, um, and if you know, when you're a member of Dietitians Australia, you have to do a, a mentorship for your first year out of uni. Yeah. So I think even if you're not in that situation, it's always useful to have a mentor and, and um, yeah, get that, um, have that relationship and have someone to learn from. Yeah. And how was your experience having that mentor in the first year out of uni? Was that something really beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it ended up being someone who had previously worked in the program um, that I was working on um, but didn't work on it anymore. So I guess there wasn't that possible conflict yep. um, but really understood the organisation I was working for and their culture and the program as well. So um, really useful person to bounce ideas off yeah. um, but also had separate experience that I could, um, you know, tap into and, and learn from. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So helpful. And what would yeah. you say are some of the things that you guys are working towards as a company? Um, over the next couple of years, we would really like to grow. Yep. Um, as I said, we're very small. Um, and I think particularly in the last few years, we've really consolidated um, our services and we've we've worked really hard to make sure that they're effective and um, they're what our target group needs and values. Yep. So, um and we've, we've, not that we ever had a bad reputation, but I get the sense that we have much more engagement, particularly through social media now. Mm-hmm. So we've really got that trust with our target group. Yeah. Um, so I think that lot of hard work has been done now. We know what's, what's working yeah. and um, we just need the capacity to be able to do that on a broader scale. So, yeah. um, you know, we're really interested obviously in targeting grants and looking at additional, additional funding so that we can um, grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the more you guys grow, the more schools you are able to help. So it's just really going to be exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really challenging when you have a school call and they're um, you know they're struggling and they want support, but they don't feel like they have 
you know, they don't have the funding to be able to join our association or pay for different services. And so that's really heartbreaking to, you know, you want to help them, but at the same time, we are a business and we, we have to keep ourselves afloat. So it's that really hard decision to make sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine. We've spoken a little bit about volunteering today. Is there any um, potential or opportunity for volunteering with your organisation or is that not something that happens at the moment? Yeah, no, we're definitely open to having volunteers. I've actually had a volunteer just start this week, um, which is really exciting, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think any any organisation, but particularly a not-for-profit, really has to be open to that, um, any support that we can get. in any capacity, um, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be a, a huge project that they take on. Yeah. Um, but if that's something that can be take, you know, lighten the load from the staff, yeah. Um, and at the same time, build up their skills and experience, then um, yeah, definitely very open to to supporting volunteers. Yeah, brilliant. Take note, Queensland listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. So that's the company vision. How about your personal vision? What are some of the things that you would love to achieve throughout your career? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, it's a big one. And <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard not to be too idealistic, at the, you know, when you, when you think about that. Um, yeah, I think just um giving kids equitable opportunity to um develop a healthy relationship with food yes that still sound very idealistic doesn't it but if it's so you know, alter- possible like- yeah i think it's just um you know we know that nutrition has such an impact on people's lives and it really starts when they're young yeah. um so if we can do as much as possible to support kids to um, make healthy choices and for that to be really normalised within society. Yeah. Um, that's what so many fantastic organisations are working towards. So being just one piece of that puzzle is re- really rewarding for me and I just hope that we can continue to grow that work in Australia and Absolutely. internationally. Yeah, that's incredible. And you're definitely on the right path and already um, doing that. So, yeah, it will be incredible seeing the impact you can make in that area. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always things happening. You know, we're getting... Um, you know, a national obesity strategy and, and things like that. So it's always nice to see extra um, pieces of the puzzle, I guess, um, falling into place. Yeah. And how do you get things like that on board? So like with the national obesity strategy, what does that involve? Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. It sounds interesting. Um, well, that's not really me. That's <laughs> that's an Australian yeah. government thing. Yeah. Um, but I guess just the fact that different different not-for-profits and you know organizations have really been advocating for that from the government right. yeah. um, for a long time and so just you know for us an opportunity to be involved in that consultation process and give feedback on any draft um, strategy that's been developed and that sort of thing it just shows that we're heading in the right direction um, that it's getting government attention yeah um, that it's recognized as a as an issue that we need to address yeah. Is there currently any government involvement in things like school tuck shops and healthy eating in schools or not really? Is that something you're like working to bring awareness to? 
Um, so each state of Australia or territory of Australia is um, a little bit different. Yep. So all of the guidelines for schools are state-based. Yeah. So um, in Queensland, we have a, a policy called Smart Choices mm-hmm. um, and that uses a, a traffic light system. So food and drinks are categorised as green, amber and red. Yeah. Um, and schools should supply just green and amber choices uh, for most of the time. Yep. And then on two occasions per term, then they can offer um, some red choices. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, so that is uh, mandatory for state schools and um, strongly encouraged for the independent and private schools. Yeah, cool. Um, and the, in, in um, I think every state, of a state or territory of Australia, something similar exists. Yep. Um, there's just some differences in the way foods are categorised and... Um, who has responsibility for implementing it. Yeah, makes sense. And is that something that impacts your work, like what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. Every day when we're talking to schools, um, you know, they're asking questions about um, whether foods are green, amber or red, um, how they plan the menus, um, all of those sorts of questions. So giving them lots of support in understanding the strategy um, and feedback around how they can meet it. Yeah, well, that's really cool. Awesome. And what would you say that you attribute your current success to in your career? Um, as cringeworthy as it is to, to feel like I'm a success, um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a strange feeling. Um, I think just the the ongoing reflection, like it's really important just to think about how you're going personally, what your goals are, and always trying to improve on that. Yep. Um, and just having the attitude that you're always going to be learning throughout your whole career. Um, I'm, I, I constantly joke how, how very, very slowly I'm doing my master's in public health. Yeah. Um, so, but that's also for a reason, like, you know, I'm working full time and so I'm only doing one subject at a time. Sometimes I take a semester off. Yep. So it, it has been a very slow process, but at the same time, I didn't want to rush through it and just get the piece of paper. Yeah. Um, so by doing it a subject at a time, it gives me that opportunity to really getting, you know, quite involved in that subject and absorb the information and think about how I can apply it in my role at the moment. Yeah. Um, whereas I think if I was just trying to, well, if I was trying to work and study full time, I'd be crazy, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, it gives you that opportunity to be, I think, to take on that learning a bit more than if you had just um, been trying to cram in too much at once. Yeah. Um, as well as have that work-life balance. Yeah. And are you finding that a further study is really benefiting your current role and like everything you're doing? Yeah, definitely. I think it just brings a different perspective to what you're doing. Yeah. Um, the the degree that I did, um, as fantastic as it was, it didn't include a lot of public health nutrition. Yeah. Um, so going to that next step of doing a master's of public health just um, allows a little bit more specific to where I'm working now. To, to cover off on those sort of topics mm-hmm. um, and then just picking, you know, a little focus for each um, semester to work on Yeah, and think about how that relates back to where I work. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, it's been, been really interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. And do you have any pointers for anyone else who does want to go down like that public health pathway? Do you recommend that further study or um, working with large organisations? You've already mentioned volunteering is a really good one, particularly for public health companies. Um, Is there Mm -hmm. anything that you wanted to add to that? Um, I don't think so. I think it doesn't always have to be um, 
you know, a whole master's degree as further study, any additional learning you can do, um, whether it's webinars here and there or, um, you know, having that mentoring relationship with someone. Yeah. It's just so important to keep on top of um, not just research. I think that sometimes people fall into the trap of thinking that professional development has to be just research, yeah. you know, reading the latest studies that have come out. But um, it's all those skills and things as well that you need to keep um, keep building your skills on keep building your skills on skills goodness um <laughs> you just need to keep building your skills in different areas and yeah. um it doesn't just have to be about research yeah so true anything we learn really can benefit in us and us in so many ways especially when you look at it like you were saying before reflecting and reflecting how you can apply different learnings to different scenarios so it doesn't have to be in one particular area or one particular thing um yes I think that's really important and when it does come to reflecting actually what are some of your um processes around that like do you as you mentioned goal setting in there do you sort of um schedule in time to like reflect and look at your goals and see if you're on track or um yeah what does it look like for you um like I'm not super structured about reflecting I think just you know, in a small way, just even the drive home, you know, you kind of reflect on, on how your day's been um, and then um, think about if there's anything that you do differently or, or you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, just that little bit of wind, wind down time at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and then I guess being a little bit more structured, you know, every six months, getting out a bit of a journal and thinking about what your goals are for, for the next, say, six months and and then what are some steps that could help you get there. Yeah. Um, I'm still a member of Dietitians Australia, so there's an annual process there that you have to go through um, with logging all your goals. Okay. Um, but also doing that just um, on a personal basis every few months as well. Yeah, that sounds like a really good mix. And I love that you mentioned like even just on your way home, just looking back at the day and how you can improve and things that happened, all those little bits of reflection and that little bit of introspection, it all really adds up in the long run and you do start to notice patterns and different things. Um, and it's, yeah, really building that self-awareness and um, yeah, developing yourself and your personal skills and using your Absolutely. Yeah. I, I used to... Uh, my high school was really big on reflecting and I used to cringe about it at the time, but I, I can see now that um, <laughs> it's really built some good habits um, for me that have been really helpful. Um, so yeah, as you say, those little bits of reflecting just build up over time. Absolutely. And it's overwhelming too. I think if I, or I'd forget things, if I just sat down every six months and went, right, what have I learned? Yeah. Um, you wouldn't possibly capture everything that you've learned in the last six months. Yeah. Such a good point. Yeah, that's cool. I love that your school was onto it and, yeah, you sort of didn't appreciate it. Then. You know, you've come full circle. It's cool. It's that's funny right. looking back at stuff like that and being like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't realise at a time, but I was actually learning something important. Uh, they actually were trying to help me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, too funny. Actually, speaking of school experiences, what was your school um, tuck shop situation? And looking back at that, would you like, did you just cringe or were they sort of onto it? <laughs> um, I don't remember the tuck shop too much, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't, um, I guess, go and buy things too often. Yeah. Um, I think they had a bit of a mixture from memory. Um, yeah. You know, some of the kind of traditional um reheating foods of you know pies and sausage rolls and things like that but I think they did have a few meals and things that they prepared there as well so um, a bit of a mixed bag yeah I feel like they've also come a long way in terms of back then like even when I went to school 
there weren't so many tuck shops or like so some of the schools I went to didn't even have a tuck shop or it was more like mm. um, you ordered food and they um, yeah, brought it to the school, whereas now it's pretty common for most schools to have tuck shops and have their own menus and things. So it's really interesting to yeah. see that evolution. Yeah, and the just the technology as well. Yeah. Um, you know, most people probably remember writing on a brown paper bag what they wanted. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and these days, like some schools still do that, but... Um, a lot of schools are on an online ordering system. So you pull yeah. out your phone, open up an app, kind of like Uber Eats, and you order your kids lunch for the day. Yeah. Um, so completely automated system rather than scribbling on a brown paper bag. Yeah. <laughs> so funny looking back and reflecting on that. I was definitely yeah. part of that era of writing on the brown paper bags. <laughs> yeah. Does it also Which is I mean, I'm kind of sad that it's gone though, because it's such a like it's such a cute thing for kids and learning yeah. and you know, doing the maths and figuring out how much their lunch is gonna cost. And, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I suppose they get that in different ways now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's so much it's so much more efficient for the talk shop staff to oh um, just process orders and have a list straight away from the online system. Yeah. So um, definitely from that perspective, it's a really good evolution. Yeah. And just things being more online and sort of bringing technology into it, does that help you in your role as well in terms of like looking at different um, It does help us in, yeah. yeah, it does help us in terms of data. So mm-hmm. you can pull off the online system, um, a record of what's been sold oh, cool. in a specific time period. Yeah. So um, yeah, they could pull out all of the sales data from term one and then we can do some analysis around what sold the most um, and also looking at the profitability as well. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to see, like the buying patterns. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, what's different in summer versus winter or um, also it's a really good way of giving them feedback, Yeah. Um, doing that sort of evaluation. So if they've worked really hard to market a certain option on Facebook or um, at the, the touch-up window, then mm-hmm. if they can see that transition in the sales data, um, then obviously they know that that's been successful. Yeah, that's really cool. It would be really interesting to look at that. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? One book. Um, tricky one. Um, I, I, I like to like recognise Australian authors, but at the same time, what, like thinking about public health nutrition, yeah, um, I guess you can't go past Marion Nessel, mm-hmm. um, you know, the one of the founders of Public Health Nutrition internationally. Yeah. So um, we'll have to forgive that she's American. <laughs> yeah. um, but <laughs> anything written by her, and she also has a really fantastic blog. Okay. So um, every day I get these little emails of just bits of information that have come out. Um, yeah. So um, just little bits, you know, of information about food politics or um, marketing that food companies have done that might be a little bit interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's a really – and it's I guess it's a little bit more digestible that way as well. You don't have to sit down and read a full novel. Yeah. Um, but I've always been a bookworm, so um, reading's a good escape for me too. Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, anything that you enjoy, even if – like don't be ashamed if it's a bit trashy. Yeah. If, if it's a good escape for you, then um, you can read it. Yeah. Um, that's fine. No judgment. Um, That's yeah, so if I had to, yeah, I was if gonna... I had to recommend a book, like I don't know what I would recommend actually. Yeah, I should leave that one with me. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Too many good books out there. 
Yeah, it's way too many. It is a hard question narrowing it down to one. <laughs> we always do a whole episode on like book recommendations. <laughs> I think so. That's probably a separate podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like that you mentioned like any kind of book that interests you is important. And it's so true. Like we don't always have to be switched on and learning about health and nutrition. It's important for us to have our own escapes, as you mentioned, and just do things we enjoy and fill up our own cup. And on that note, my next question for you is, so we're obviously in the business of helping people, but what are some things that you personally do to take care of your health and well-being? As I say, I guess it's really important to fill your own cup, you know, take the time out when you need it and and don't feel guilty for that. Yes. Um, you know, if you, if you need a mental health day, then that's fine. You need a mental health day. Um, not, ha- yeah, feeling guilty or having to apologise for that because we all work hard and we do need time out. Um, in terms of looking after myself, um, just really, you know, enjoy reading, going for um, nice walks, whether they're long or short, um, with the dog or longer one. Um, she's 13. She can't walk for, for too far these days. Um <laughs> But, yeah, just generally taking the time to look after yourself because that gives that recharges you and gives you the opportunity to um, devote your energy to um, what you're passionate about. Yeah, definitely. Helps you help other people better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If we're all burnt out and stressed, then we're not going to do our jobs very well. Yeah, exactly. We're not helping anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So this has been super interesting, but I want to ask, do you have any parting words of advice or wisdom for the listeners that you'd like to impart on us today? Um, I don't think so. I think, I guess, knowing that your target audience is, is nutrition grads, yeah. um, realising that your job isn't going to be very nutrition every day. Yeah. Um, I say that with air quotes. Um sometimes we have students on placement and they say you know your job's not very nutrition based I think sometimes there's this misconception that you're going to be looking at nutrition information panels all day every day or Mm. um, doing those one-on-one consultations and talking about people's diets so um, you've got to think about more holistically about everything that goes that impacts on a person's diet or for us that impacts on the tuck shop menu so um being grateful for those broader perspectives and understanding because that will still help you to achieve the end result yeah um if you can understand all the different factors that are impacting on um the way a person behaves or the the, how a school runs their tuck shop yeah definitely it's all relevant and all important to take into consideration yeah yeah Brilliant. And where can people follow along with your journey and learn more about what you do and more about what the company you work for does? Um, So I work for the Queensland Association of School Tuck Shops. So um, we have a Facebook page. We're just thinking about dipping our toe back in the water with Instagram. Um, So you might shortly see us back on Instagram. Um, And that's where you can follow us. Amazing. That's brilliant. And do you have any um, social media that we can follow along or best to find you I, through the Queensland? Yeah, best to find me through work. I, I haven't gone into that realm myself yet. Yeah, um, but really cool. See how we go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. It has been such a pleasure. And yeah, it's been really interesting hearing all about how you're positively impacting the school tuck shops. It's such an important role and you're doing great things in the industry. So thank you for inspiring us and showing us another amazing opportunity that is 
in this nutrition field. <laughs> that's okay. Glad to shed a light on something that's perhaps a little bit different from um, yeah. what people might think of when they think of nutritionists and what they do. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really cool learning about it. So thank you. That's okay. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.